everybody, I'm Jeremy. And I'm Jonathan. And we are the Evangelicals. If you've been listening to the Evangelicals podcast for any time, you probably recognize that our conversations are not necessarily scripted. We have ideas, we think about things, but we really do come together and just and just talk. That's one of the biggest questions I get is, do you have a script? Do you know what you're going to talk about? And I said, generally, we'll talk for five or 10 minutes before an episode, and then we we just do it. And, and, and so we, we have an idea, but it's funny that that's what people who listen, they, that's their biggest question is, do you guys know what you're going to, to talk about? And, and it, loosely. The reason I bring that up at the beginning of this episode particularly is that this is a con this is a, a concept, a conversation. The ideas we're talking about today are really things that we've not discussed at length with one another. And so even Jeremy just And we said, didn't even talk about it before this episode. Like we, we talked about other stuff today. Well and we had the reason that we're the reason that we're talking about things pertaining to ecology, the earth care of the care of the earth care of creation all these types of things today is because in our last episode we had talked about eschatology and how your eschatology kind of affects the way you live in the world right now and there was this idea in premillennial dispensationalism that if the world was just going to burn why would we be concerned with it at all yeah. you know and we talked about this idea in eschatology that's particularly wesleyan but I mean, it's in scripture. It's not like Wesley comes up with this idea, but he just he just lifts it up in his own context, which was very fatalistic. He says the the earth is going to be you, you know if you if you read Revelation uh, differently, you read Revelation to say that there is going to be a new heaven and new earth. And we talked about that last last time on the podcast a little bit. And so today we're going to talk about ecology, uh, care of the earth. Uh, creation care the pope uh, pope francis probably his most famous encyclical so far that he has written was this piece called laudato si which talks about the care of the earth and it's um many people uh, saw that as kind of a political document but really if you want to go online and read it it's really quite fascinating it's a very theologically deep document talking about the gift of the earth uh i had i'm i'm doing some some educational work at a Catholic institution right now and that was a, a required reading and it was very it was very good for me to kind of have to get my head into that space and and just just think about how really our care of the earth is connected to our care of each other our care like the the way that we interact with the earth is indicative of our economic systems mm-hmm. our social structures and I think that as Protestants, we have probably not given enough time and thought into the care of the earth, particularly because, as we've been talking about over the last couple of episodes in evangelicalism, we have been married to a conservative politics that is, um, for whatever reason, has become very pro-coal, pro-oil, pro-fracking, pro-issues that tend to be um, mining the earth for what we can get of the earth without regulation. And that's a generalization. And there are people that would say that's not a fair estimation. I'm not trying to polarize people. I'm just saying I grew up in evangelicalism 
and have not ever that I remember heard a sermon or gone through a Sunday school class or had a teaching on somebody encouraging me to take care of the earth. But when I went to these liberal institutions or these different institutions, all of a sudden people start take, talking about caring for the earth. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? You know? <laughs> well, yeah, I think that, that you, you just nailed it is unfortunately in the church, we can't talk about certain things because they've been so politicized and yet our theology. And, and I would even say the Bible speaks to these things. And we have to, I think at some point make a turn in saying we're going to talk about these things not because we believe they're political issues we're going to talk about them because we think they're theological issues about how we do live with each other and for each other and and even just what we think god says how we should live in relation to the earth and um a lot of like wesley talked about it but then i've heard some people like um, scott daniels and some others talk about that that this, the way, the concept of holiness, the concept of how we be a holy people is all about relationships, our relationship with God, our relationship with others, our relationship with ourselves. But there's always this, this fourth relationship that we, as you said, we don't talk about a whole lot because we have been handcuffed by politics, but it's our relationship to the earth. And in our, and in that, in the beginning, um, the, one of the relationships is God says, steward the earth, take care of the earth, not exploit or not um, use it to your own advantage, but steward and take care of. And so I think that I, I, I just will uh, confess that I've never preached a sermon on taking care of the earth uh, because of, once again, understanding what the fallout potentially could be and the labeling that will potentially happen. And, and so unfortunately I've just come to the conclusion. I don't know that it's worth it. <laughs> the, the, the chips that I would potentially have to play. I've always joked that I'm going to do a series called God is green or talk about this, but I have yet to, to do that and, and pull that trigger. I think that it's a great idea to maybe to start at the beginning here. I, I love the verse that you brought up. So there's, there's a, a theologian right now named Norman Wiersba who is very concerned with the church evangelicals, um, mainline Protestants, he's very concerned with the church in America particularly in our understanding, our theological appreciation for the creation. Like this is this is something that he really is concerned about and I think that he makes some great points. So in his book, The Paradise of God, which he's talking about the earth, the world that we live in, he brings up this verse that you just brought up. So it's Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till and to keep it. Now, Wiersba says, and he's right about this, the Hebrew term to till the ground could also be translated to serve it. Hmm. The, the point that you were just making. It, it's, there's, there's this dynamic in the Hebrew scripture that man was made from the ground and that he's in turn to serve the ground from which he came. There is this kind of like divine element in the creation story. Not only that, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar, okay, but but the Hebrew is very, very interesting here. So the word Adama Yeah, humanity. Is well no, is oh, soil. Dirt, yeah, yeah. Is yeah, soil yeah. and dirt. And Adam comes out of that. So it's the it's the reverse. Right, you know? right, 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 right. And and this is really fascinating. And for those of us who read we read the Bible in English, we see soil or dirt and we see human. We don't see any connection. But for the Hebrews who read this, they recognize that Adam comes out of Adamah. Mm. 
you know and and there is this there's this relationship at the very beginning of the entire story in the bible this deep interconnection between humanity and the ground on which they they walk the, the ground from which they get their life and adam's command is not to just take charge over it is not just to compromise coerce it control it but weirsba wants to say that adam the command the command to adam is actually to serve the ground yeah not just to have the ground serve him and the case that he makes in this book which is a very sophisticated one i would argue i i would encourage and it's this is not heady theology stuff i would encourage anybody to pick this up it's the paradise of god renewing religion in an ecological age by norman weersba the case that he makes that is that in serving the earth we really might find ourselves at a level of of serving ourselves as far as health as far as community as far as human vibrancy is concerned maybe to a degree that we've not seen uh, on on the planet in 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 recent times as we become more urbanized and um modernized maybe more industrially focused yeah i think that that yeah i love that that out of adama came adam i mean it's just brilliant and we lose that imagery for sure in our translations and i feel like when it i think how it all broke down or where it starts to break down is unfortunately we live in like a genesis 3 world and a genesis 3 understanding of relationships rather than mm. how God originally designed it to be. For the listener, tell them what you mean by Genesis 3. So Genesis 3 is when traditionally it's called the fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and so at the after all of what happens at the beginning, God starts handing out curses. And so that's where we get that um man will roll over woman and she will submit to you and it's this understanding of but it's because of now there's all these relationships are broken, but it's also in that, that the ground will now be cursed and you will have to work the ground and you will, it will be, you'll almost be a slave to it on some level as you get this feeling. And so I feel like since that point, we have done our best to not be a slave to it, but to figure out how do we conquer it? How do we rule over it? And because we don't want to be a slave to anything. Uh, and, and so I think out of that, and, and so I feel like a lot of fundamentalists, a lot of understanding, listen to Genesis 3 more than they listen to Genesis 1 and 2. And yet, N.T. Wright has a beautiful quote that the people of God are those people who live today like one day the rest of the world is going to live. And so we don't – I'm sorry. <laughs> no, this – I'm like – my mind is blown right now. I mean, I see it in Paul too. What does yeah. Paul talk about? He talks about first fruits. Yeah. Right? So we the, don't the foretaste. Live, yeah, we don't live – We don't live for Genesis 3 and the way the world was somewhat talked about. Ah, well, we're just going to hell in a handbasket. And we talked about it last week that even Revelation 22 is this Eden restored and that we are living. And so we, we don't try to have an understanding after the fall. We are living for before the way that God wanted the world, the way God intended the world. When God said the world was good, this is the way it was supposed to be. That's the way that we are striving to be in the world. And and so, like I said, I feel like we, we, we not we, but some fundamentalists or some, some Christians think the Bible begins in Genesis 3. 
But we have to understand actually begins in Genesis 1 and 2. And we should get our understanding of creation and relationships and how we are to be in the world from Genesis 1 and 2, not from Genesis 3. Because that's the goal. That's the understanding of who God is calling us to be. Jeremy, legitimately, my mind is just just reeling right now. It's blown. And the, the theological connection that you just made, I, I think, is so profound. We... So many of the things that Jeremy and I talk about in this podcast really do come back to this this idea, this theological idea. I'm surprised we don't lift it up more. That the fall is the beginning of theology. Yeah. That's so much that's that's the center of so much so many of our theological problems is that we begin with we begin with God's curses, not with God's speaking creation into existence, not with God's ideals. Not with creation being good in and of itself. And then you come, like, I don't know, you're pulling out your Bible. This is a scary thing, but... Um, no, I just, I want to go to... I'm, I'm just gonna, You keep talking. Say what you're saying. I want to go to the... I, I think you've I think this points. is heightened when you get to, like, many centuries later to Greek philosophy and Plato and, and because they bring to the forefront and then I feel like we, we kind of fell in line that created order is bad, that the material is bad and that the soul inside of us is good. And that the, the, the ultimate goal is for our soul to leave our body and go to this other place where, where things are going to be good. And so everything material, everything that's physical is bad, evil. But once again, it, it comes from, I think, trying to, when we begin the story at Genesis three, rather than understand, no creation was good. Like it was all good. And, and, and trying to have a better understanding of, of changing the narrative, changing the story, that our bodies are good, that the creation is good. And it's not like we have this detached soul that's good inside of us, just hoping to escape the bad material part, but that it's all connected and it all um, was meant to be this interconnectedness of, of who we were created to be and how we were created to be. So... I want to read, I want to reference the passage that you mentioned in Genesis 3, the curses. So there's, as you said, there's kind of a divvying out of curses to the serpent, to the woman, and then to the man. If you want to read this for yourself, you can go to Genesis 3, uh, starting in um, like verse 14. But I want to move on to, to Adam, okay? To Adam, he said, because you did... As your wife said, it ate of the tree about which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed be the ground because of you. Hmm. Cursed be the ground because of you. God doesn't say I'm cursing the ground. God says that Adam's sin has cursed the ground. Yeah. The the source of life itself has been cursed because of Adam's sin. Hmm. Which, even as I'm reading it right now, I don't know whether or not to read that as a as a past tense telling of what happened or as a prophecy of that which will be the reality. By toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall it sprout for you, but your food shall be the grasses of the field. By the sweat of your brow shall you get bread to eat until you return to the ground. For from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. So this is this is what God speaks to Adam. 
after Adam has made up his mind that he has a better version of reality than God does. Right. So God has told Adam and Eve, which I also I also want to clarify, this is not about, the podcast today is not necessarily just about Genesis 3, but I always like to lift up this point. We have this idea that Eve is the one who did all of the sinning, but if you read the story, Adam and Eve are standing right there together. The story says that she took some fruit and she handed it to Adam who was standing there with her. It's not like she was like, ate and it, the, and then she runs and gets him. You know? And what's interesting, once again, talking about the Hebrew, the when God gives out the curses to Eve and Adam, the it's the same Hebrew word given in relation to each. So we think of childbearing as, and then the ground, like it, one was more or less. It, it was not this that Adam and Eve were different levels. It's actually the same understanding. It just played out differently. Yeah, equal, I mean, e- equal. Well, very, mu- very much. I mean, there are, there are people in evan- evangelicalism that would say God establishes like this hierarchy of, right, man, right, right, right. of man and woman women are more evil than men intrinsically because they, you know, are, uh, I think that what Genesis is trying to tell us is that women tend to be a little bit more social than men. You know, Adam, the story kind of implies that Adam and Eve are walking over to the, the tree, which depending on your understanding of power dynamics are just as much Adam's fault that they're there as Eve's maybe a little bit more. So, I mean, at least as far as the, Scripture, the way it talks about men and their proclivity to lust. You know, I mean, I mean, I mean, that you know. Okay, but that, that's right. not worth. That's yeah, not yeah, worth yeah. we we talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but this, this, I, this idea that that the ground was not cursed because of God. The ground was cursed because of man's decision to alter reality, to alter the command of God. God had a particular creation in mind yet god gave man the freedom to live outside of that reality yeah and what is while on the one hand we we would like to say so even the even those of us that would say we live into a genesis 3 reality it is strange that we don't read it as a corrective to ourselves we just read it as this is the way things are things are cursed now oh well and it's this indifference to the the ecological situation that I really think is what is at the heart of kind of what we want to address here. I don't know that today we're going to necessarily give any solutions, but we're just talking about the theological, social reality that we live in. In 1999, there were a lot of regulations that were being brought against corporations as as far as their ecological mindedness was concerned. And this was frustrating to fiscal conservatives, many of whom were associated with evangelical Christianity. And so in 1999, a significant group of religious leaders got together and signed a petition, a letter, a statement, a declaration called the Cornwall Declaration. You can look this up online, the Cornwall Declaration of 1999. And The declaration, this is Norman Wiersbe uh, speaking again about ecology. The declaration is clear in saying that human beings have a responsibility for taking care of the creation and that it is, and that this responsibility has to do with our being created in the image of God. That's, that's in the declaration. So it's, it's couched in Christian language. Sure. However, and this is Wiersbe, the Cornwall declaration is equally clear 
that stewardship must not call into question economic and political liberty, or more specifically, the free market economy and the scientific industrial complex that has contributed to the recent unprecedented improvements in human health. According to its signers, environmental improvement depends on growing affluence, technological innovation, and the application of human and material capital. So what, what happened explicitly in the Cornwall Declaration in 1999 is that many religious leaders and evangelical leaders drew a line in the sand, essentially saying, while we recognize that we should be mindful of the earth, we also recognize that we're making a lot of money doing things the way that we're doing. Yeah. And we like it. Mm-hmm. We like it a lot. And, you know, with the more money you have, the more good you're able to do. So why would we compromise the way that we're doing things in, in under the guise of being mindful of the earth when, you know, we're, we're probably going to be able to do a lot of good because of all the money that we're making doing the things the way that we're doing them. And it is interesting right now. I mean, in, in the world, there are now scientists and researchers trying to put effort into figuring out how to take carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere because of the smog problem that we have, the CO2 problem that we have, because we've cut down all the trees, which we all learn in second grade, are these things that God gave us. This uh, There's this process called photosynthesis that takes carbon dioxide out of the air. <laughs> clean the air. I mean, trees clean the air. You know? And now we're like... It's almost like creation had a, a solution for oh, it. Oh, it's great. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Like, trees are the coolest thing. They're so amazing. Like, God had a plan or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, we've cut them all down, and now we have a CO2 problem. So, legitimately, we have fiscal conservatives who are putting research into trying to figure out how to take carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere so that we can keep our industrial machine moving. But I mean, it's it's like it's like you guys, like we had these beautiful things, these 150s, 250, 500, uh, even the sequoias. How old are they? A thousand years old. These things that God put on the planet, if you believe in creation, to clean the air, you know. And I think that once again, it really all boils down to how you view what's going to happen in the end. You've. I know you you probably don't want me to mention it, but you wrote a great song about this called "The Great Escape." You should check. Everybody should check it out. It's unbelievable. It's uh, that that was a very nice plug, Jeremy, for the um, no. I'm the, serious. One of the greatest albums in the history of the world <laughs> that no one knows about. It's, it's by the Prelude. You it is very it good. Go. It is very good, and it's it's my kids, one my children's favorite song on the album, and um, it's just it's fun. But what's better is. Is it does tell a, a theological story that that we thought we were just it didn't matter what we did with creation because it was just going to go away anyway because we're getting out of here. The song's called "The Great Escape," and um, I think it's what it's called. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. And and I think that um, so if you have that understanding of once again what's going to happen at the end, but once again I think what's crazy is. Greek philosophy plays into this thought once again that the material world's bad that that I'm I've got this internal soul that's separate from my body that's good and my physical body's bad um if that's your understanding then you would be right to say who cares what happens to the earth you you would you would totally be in the right but once again I don't know that that's a proper reading of understanding once again what's going to happen at the end that when we understand that God 
is going to come down and dwell with people again and and kind of have this understanding of recreation of the planet that we live in that like this is what we got and then it changes the perspective and it no longer becomes once again a political issue and so to me we shouldn't be leaving this to Republicans and Democrats, and it shouldn't be a conservative or a liberal issue. It should be a Christian theological understanding of who God created us to be, our relationship to each other, uh, and, and, and to the creation. And, and I've heard people say, like, the earth can produce enough food for the people of the planet. Oh, yeah. But, but that's where I think we get into economics and distribution yeah. and what that looks. So that's how it all somewhat ties together Yeah, is God has created a planet that can produce what the, what it, what the people need to sustain life and to be a part of it. But economically and, and politically, and I'm not talking about politics, right and left. I'm talking about politically about distribution of goods and, and how we live together that I understanding of politics. Um, we have to, I think, have a better theological understanding infused into those things rather than vice versa. Unfortunately, we don't start with theology and let it inform our politics. We start with politics and it informs our theology. The American political reality scene, whatever you want to call our political situation, is unique. People in other parts of the world don't understand why the issues in our politics that are polarized left and right are as they are. Now there are some, they're represented in other places of the world also. We're not completely unique, but it is it is mind blowing to a lot of people that we would have this faction, this conservative faction that would completely disregard, uh, I think it's the the Paris Climate Agreement Accord or something. Okay. I don't know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that there would be, a, that there would be half of our Half of our constituents, you know, and this is so this is the problem with voting left and right. You know, there are people that are voting Republican just because they think they're saving millions of babies from abortion, you know. But when when a Republican wins the presidency, people in the other parts of the world who care more about environmental concerns, because that's what they see, they think that all of these, you know, conservatives are just they're voting against the environment. And it doesn't make sense to them because, again, we're just so polarized and we don't we don't think about issues as international issues but the issue of ecology is an international issue it's one it's one that that affects the the globe you know and while there are some things in our political concerns that really are just germane to the united states of america ecology is one of those things that affects everybody on the planet and i don't know that we think often enough as evangelical christians about the idea of even stewardship even 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 if you have the understanding that it is the responsibility of humanity to tend to the earth you know to dominate it i don't know that we live in such a way that we interact with the earth much there's a great author who's just in my opinion a prophet of the 20th early 21st century his name's wendell berry he lives in kentucky and his call to society is that we need to return to the earth he thinks that people should have to interact with soil. He thinks that people should have to walk amongst the trees. He thinks that people should have to listen to the birds. He thinks that if, if we would incorporate these kind of practices into our everyday life, that we would be more peaceful people, that we would grow closer together. He thinks that if we were growing food together, and if we were eating together, food that we prepared together, that came from ground that we walk on together, he thinks that we would 
come together more. You know, and, and he has a pretty compelling case. It's funny, uh, St. Francis of Assisi, who we attribute, you know, as, as a good guy, he was also kind of crazy. And he would actually go preach to animals. Now, now you say crazy, but crazy. He was perceived as crazy. Maybe he was more <laughs> sane. Um, I, I mean, t- Jeremy, tell me. <laughs> tell me. Are there not Sunday mornings when you get done preaching and you think to yourself, you know what? I, I would rather just preach to some animals. <laughs> but the stories go. <laughs> or you don't feel like. I did just preach. To- okay, okay, okay. I'm just kidding. Yeah, just kidding to my people. Um, I think that there's stories though that as he would preach, the animals would listen and do what he was asking them to do. <laughs> yeah, like the there legends. was birds chirping yeah, and they were disrupting yeah, yeah, the service, yeah, yeah. and he went out and said, "Hey, blah blah blah," and and they quit. Um, a fox was getting everybody's dog. I don't know. I, I'm probably butchering these stories, but well, no, there are just he these went legends. out and talked to these animals they- and said, "Quit." messing with our stuff and they did that he was so attuned to nature that he was so in tune with them like that that he's like communicating at this really high level on the same note when we read the psalms we hear that creation is not this other wow but it is also joining in the praise of our creator that it's not this separate thing that is other or different yeah but that when we praise and worship our creator, we are joining with the trees of the field and the heavens declare the glory the ocean. of God, the skies yes, proclaim the work of that, his hand. That, that, and when we have that understanding that we are connected to this blue dot, the great, you know, the, the pale blue dot that we are, when you think about just the craziness of how fast we're traveling and that we are at, you know, rotating, but also going around the sun and just the amazingness of the planet that we live on, that we are joining with it in praising and worshiping our creator, um, then it is no longer this separate piece that I can exploit and use to my own advantages, but it's part of, and that out of the dirt we came. And at funerals, you know, at part of every, almost every funeral service is you go to the cemetery and you commit this body back to the Adama, the, yeah. the dust, the ground, the dirt. And it's, I, I don't know that we understand the, the how it, in life it comes full circle that we are created from the dirt because we don't see that part because we see it coming out of, you know, a, a human body. But it's it is this cyclical thing that in our liturgy and our understanding of life and death we we say it, but I don't don't think we think about all of the implications and ramifications for committing a body back back to the earth. I mean it's all right there. It's in our manual, and if you're Nazarene, like it's all right there. But the theological implications of of we commit this body back to the to the earth we say that we believe it came from. I mean, it's just beautiful. And I think it speaks in a huge way about our connection once again with the soil and the dirt. And then our connection with other people and our connection with, with once again, just the, um, I, I, I probably said it on the podcast, but I think what the, the, how this is a global issue and just saying things like the Paris climate agreement, like people are going to, either turn us off or think we're liberal or whatever. 
But the, the problem becomes is when we think that our world is like the world, that, that we get so focused in on, on where we are that we don't think, yeah, but what am I doing even in my little village of Paulding that could potentially be having ramifications on the grander scale? And you say, oh, you're trash, whatever. Yeah, but what if, if I did something and, 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 and made a difference in a small way, who knows, in a big picture? And maybe just even the example of I'm going to do whatever I can to, to take care of, to, to steward, to understand my connection um, to. Now, we don't worship the creation, but the creation is, is we are part of it and we, are, we join with it when we sing. And, and once again, when we get so focused on where I see myself and what's going on, um, I can I cannot understand. I could start to get the understanding that it really doesn't matter if I do this, 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 and this, and I need to have a bigger understanding of the world globally, what it might mean for, for the whole world. I mean, you you say we don't worship creation, because I think that there needs to there needs to be that ca- caveat, unfortunately, because people, you know, if you start talking about the earth too much, they you know consider you you know a tree hugging hippie who's you know new age or something like this. Absolutely. But I I, I would I would offer an analogy. Uh, my wife, you know, she is a, she's an artist, uh, a musician, and uh, she's also a great a great baker. Okay, so like let's let's say um, you know Kate um, makes makes some bread. Okay, I don't worship the bread, but I do love my wife, and so when I eat it, I tell her thank you. Mm. I tell her I appreciate it. And I don't, I don't, because I love her, I also, I also don't just, um, uh, how do I say this? This is always risky when you're, when you use like spouse analogies on something that's going public. So I'm trying to be, be careful, but I think this is okay. This is just coming to me. So I, so let's, so let's, let's say Kate makes some bread and, and I, I eat it and I enjoy it. I also tell her that I, that I enjoy it because I love her and I want her to know that. But I also don't just, I don't throw it away. You know, like if she makes, if she makes something for me that I love, I cherish it, right? And the thing is, the cognitive dissonance in Christianity as far as creation is concerned is that we have the creation museum. You know, we say like, God is the God of creation. He created it in six days. You know, this is who God is. But economically, fiscally, we don't care at all about regulation of taking care of the earth because it impedes upon our individual rights and liberties to be free market capitalists. Yeah. And this to me is like the massive cognitive dissonance in evangelicalism that nobody ever talks about that just has never made sense to me. So, you know, I, I'm introduced to Ken Ham as like a first grader and it's like, okay, okay, okay. But then as I get older, I don't hear anybody in my church talking about taking care of the earth. It's like, God is the creator. Why aren't we teaching creation in school? And it's like, well, even if you did teach creation in school, you're not going to take care of it. So what's the, so what's the big deal? Like, why are we? Why do you care so much? This is the thing for me growing up in evangelicalism that fundamentally does not make sense. You know, totally. I I think of so. Uh, so how can we um. How can we do better at at least just being conscious of, of, where. Here's what I'm trying to say. I think another part of this 
is I sit down, you talk about bread and I can go, I went to um, our local grocery store last night and bought a loaf of bread, but never thinking about where did that bread start from? Yeah. In the ground became wheat or whatever, went to a factory and, and there's some really amazing Jewish prayers that they would pray before meals and even some churches that are really in liturgy where they think the gra- they think God for the soil and the seed that that produce this thing and we are so um just accustomed that I can sit down whenever I want to and there's going to be bread or I can go to the pantry but to think about where that came from and I think why that's a big deal is because I think another theological issue that we don't talk a whole lot about that And I think another way that we can see that God loves creation and cares about creation is he talks about rest. But when he talks about rest, it's not just humans that need to rest, but it's also your livestock and your, and then every seven years, you need to let the field, the ground, the ground rest that so that it can restore so that it can, um, have a sense of, of relief mm-hmm. from having to produce. Yep. And when God talked about Sabbath day and talked about rest, it was holistic. Yep. It wasn't just for people. It was for your animals, for right. your you know, slaves. Obviously we don't believe in slavery, but it was for, but even for the earth, yeah. that the earth would have a chance to recover from the work that it was doing to produce what we needed to do for right. it. And so if you, if you look at that, and say, well, God just doesn't care. You know, he's going to get rid of it. But then why would he command us that every seven years and then every, and then you go back to economics and part of it was that you have to trust that you're going to produce enough in six, that the seventh year God's going to take care of you. It's going to be enough. And so a lot of it may even come back to, do I trust that if I give up some of my economic comfort and what the earth can do for me, that God will, will take care of me. And, you know, it goes back to the whole gathering of manna. You do six days, but on the seventh day, you don't, if you, you know, like if you, if you get, it's going to be terrible, but gather enough on the sixth for the seventh. And so there was this intrinsic trust. Now we don't know that Israelites ever did that. We don't have any record that they lived into that, but it was definitely a command from God that one, you got to trust me, but two, the rest in my understanding is for all of creation and not just for, for humans. So this is a podcast that has been very much, at least this episode, has been very much thoughts, theology, you know, I, and I think, that, I think that sometimes we get to the point, you get to the end of the episode and you think to yourself, so what in the world does this mean for me? And I, th- I think that today, I think that there really could be some action steps. Like if, if, you're, if you're maybe feeling a sense of kind of awareness or conviction or something that, you know, this is maybe a topic that you don't ever think about, I would just encourage you, go take a walk, yeah. slow down, yeah. rest, yeah. go look at the trees. Yeah. Go, um, the, uh, there's a hymn that, uh, sort of hymn that we sing, this is my father's world. Yeah. The birds their carols raise. Yeah. The, the morning light, the lily bright declare their makers praise yeah. right um in the rustling grass i hear, I hear him, him pass. pass yeah yeah, yeah he yeah, speaks yeah. to me yeah. everywhere um i i really would just i we're not we're not tree hugging hippies in the sense of we're looking for 
how should I say this? We're not to, looking for political outcomes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I that's that's exactly right. I, I think that there is, but if we're going to take seriously the eschatology that we talked about last time, I think that it ought to inform the way we interact with the in the in the earth. You know, Kate and I personally, we've been talking about trash. How yeah. casually we're just a part of the disposable culture. Do you know how many boxes are wasted because of the new like shipping culture out of COVID? I mean, we're just so wasteful. Yeah. You know, and I'm I'm trying to figure out how in my own life to live in the world, but to be someone who is this is that's that's mindful of of taking care of that you doing the most that I can to make the most out of the things that I can and not just be a consumer that's just disposing things. And this is convicting to me. I mean, it's not like Jerry and I are sitting here as these killing it we're yeah sages who are just living outside of the world in some way i mean we live in the system too and i think we're convicted by it that's kind of Absolutely. why it's being lifted up today so if you feel if you feel just slapped in the face i'm sorry it's not that's not the intent today and and we we both feel very convicted and it's why we're talking about the topic today and i think that it's important to sometimes and i i always equate it to like running is, is sometimes when you don't do anything and you think I'm going to start running, you think, well, I got to go run three miles today. And and I think that that we would do better as far as discipline is saying, okay, I can't, I'm not going to go from zero to a hundred, yeah. but what can I do tomorrow? And what can I do the next day? Maybe you're not like getting 12 trash cans and you're going to recycle every, you know, but you, how could you start the process and start the journey of trying to become more, um, understanding of what's going on. You talk about hymns and um, whenever we sing the, and this is, I'm just confessing, this is confessional today. When we sing the, the song, How Great Thou Art, we never sing the second verse. I, or I don't, I'm sorry. Went through the woods and- Forest glades, I wonder. Yeah, I don't even know the words. I know the other- the But other we so don't sing yeah, it yeah, because yeah. we think, how is this applicable? We want to get to the part about the cross and <laughs> the part about whatever. Yeah. And, and yet I think, somewhat intrinsically the people that came before us had this understanding once again of of mother earth and and the connection that we intrinsically have whether we want to admit it or not to uh, the ground to the earth and so yeah i i i told my kids literally last week i said when summer comes and this is probably just me being lazy um or when spring comes and it gets warmer we're gonna we're gonna figure out what we're gonna do about because it's been on my heart like i said i've just been doing this deep dive into wesley and i'm like man i am this is a part of my life that i i need to do better at yeah and and i don't know what it's gonna look like but i said we're gonna figure out and we're gonna start small you know like we're gonna we're gonna work our way into it because i think once again we start so big and then we feel defeated because we we slack off or whatever so start small and work towards the bigger I think is a more sustainable and, and we'll have more longevity, I think, in our lives as we seek to to be who, to figure out how do we take care of, of this planet. The Evangelicals podcast is recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. 